the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. It's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day to be a fisherman. Hey, if you haven't heard, we big news coming out of Washington. Everybody thinks it's all gridlock and nobody can agree on anything. But uh, December 31st, President Trump signed the Modern Fish Act into law. Amazingly enough, the House passed it on an overwhelmingly positive vote. The Senate was unanimous, and uh, we have an improvement to the Magnuson Stevens Act that we've had since '76. So uh, I got on the uh, got on the email chain, got a hold of Liz Ogilvie, and she recommended that I talk to Mike Leonard, who is the VP of Government Affairs for American Sport Fishing Association. And uh, Mike's on the phone with me now. Mike, welcome to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Yeah, thanks, Roger. Great, uh, great to be on here. Appreciate you reaching out to us. Yes, sir. All right. I know this is primarily saltwater based because that's where the most of the contention has been. If, if, if you're in South Carolina or you've listened to anything out of the Gulf Coast, a lot of this revolves around, I would assume, the snapper fishery, right? Right, right. Red snapper is the... Poster fist of uh, everything that's going wrong with federal fisheries management. So, uh, yeah, a lot of problems with it. You can uh, you can look at red snapper as an example of what's going wrong. I got you. Well, let's start off with what we had up until 1976. We really didn't have much uh, in 76, and, and I guess a few years before that, we had a, a growing sense that we needed something to uh, stop overfishing. So we got Max Magnus and Stevens. What um what did that do for us? Right. So you're right. We, we essentially didn't have anything to regulate what was going on in the offshore waters um, up until the 1970s. And what we had at that time was a lot of foreign vessels coming in near U.S. waters and uh, depleting a lot of our fisheries. So fisheries weren't in good shape. Our domestic commercial fishing industry wasn't in good shape, good shape just because there weren't a lot of fish out there. So uh, the Magnuson-Stevens Act originally came about in the mid-1970s to um, – to establish U.S. jurisdiction up to 200 miles. Okay. So uh, to establish what's called the exclusive economic zone. So essentially kick the foreign vessels out of U.S. waters and set up a basic management system to uh, to regulate our own commercial fisheries. Um, so that law was great at domesticating our fisheries. Unfortunately, it didn't do such a good job of regulating our own. So the, okay. the problems with overfishing continued until about the mid-'90s or so when some uh, some teeth were added to the law to help end overfishing, rebuild fish stocks. There were further refinements made in the uh, 2006 uh, reauthorization of the bill to, to establish annual catch limits on all fisheries and, and make sure that uh, any fish that was overfished was going to be rebuilt. Um, what you're missing in all that, or what we're all missing in all that, is there was never really much of a, a, a look into recreational fishermen. The whole law was set up to, to manage commercial fisheries, which they catch about 98% of all fish that are harvested in uh out in the water, in the marine waters every year, uh, okay. recreational fishermen only catch 2%. But um, you got 11 million recreational fishermen sure. uh, that fish saltwater each year that uh, contribute um, billions of dollars to the economy. And it was always just sort of an afterthought in federal fisheries management. And okay. 
and as, as I'm sure your listeners um, are, are well aware, recreational and commercial fishing are, are pretty different activities. Other than <laughs> taking fish out of the water, they're, 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 that's about where the similarities end. Sure. So, you know, me fishing with my two kids uh, for you know, whatever we can catch um, uh, isn't exactly the same thing as a large-scale industrial fleet out there that are harvesting millions of pounds of fish. Sure. So. Um, so we've been overdue to get that recognition that recreational and commercial fishing are different, that they, they have different uh, qualities of data, they have different desires out of management, all that stuff. Uh, but federal law has never really taken a look at that. And that's really what the Modern Fish Act is all about, is, is getting that distinction made and getting adjustments made to federal management and and, uh, and data collection to, to better work for recreational fishing. And this has been growing for a few years. I mean, it, NMFS, which is the NOAA's... Uh, National Marine Fisheries Service, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard it before, got the acronym of No More Fishing Season. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so, uh, and it's pretty well-deserved rec- uh, reputation. You know, Red Snapper is a great example in the southeast. Uh, in the South Atlantic, up until the last year or two, we haven't had any season. Even now, right. we only have a couple of weekends. Um, and, you know, it, it's a lot of folks there on the ground, uh, both at the South Atlantic Council, the state agencies. You know, they're doing everything they can, but the, the law itself is just too strict, too rigid, um, and it doesn't handle recreational fisheries, especially ones where we don't have really good data. Right. It just, it, it's not, it's not um, set up to manage those fisheries very well. The only, um, the only approach it really knows how to take is to just close things down, right. and, um, and that's not good for anybody. Right. So right. that's really the, what we're trying to do is make, make more reasonable changes to the law to allow for more stability over time, uh, to allow for better data, and, uh, and hopefully open things up so we get better access, better opportunities, um, so we, we can just all go fishing some more. Okay. How much of a role did this uh, uh, Morris Deal uh, team that put together a vision for managing America's saltwater recreational fisheries, how, how much of a role did that play in this whole conversation, new, new legislation? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so that was really instrumental. Um, this started back about five years ago or so, um, and, and really the problems have been brewing for, for longer than sure. that. There's been a lot of frustration with federal management for, for decades now amongst recreational fishermen. But um, about five years ago, Johnny Morris, the president and founder of Bass Pro Shops, and Scott Deal, the president of Maverick Boats, got together and pulled a commission of various experts from the academic world, uh, the industry, angler groups, um, and, and brought folks together, brought in outside experts to essentially look at what do we do about this problem? What okay. are the changes we need to, to get better fishing opportunities uh, in our federal fisheries management system? So they came out with a report in 2013 that was a, a culmination of a, over a year's worth of work that laid out several priorities for uh, improving federal management, and, uh, and that really was the, the basis of uh, what inspired uh, this modern fish act. Um, really, most of the, the priorities and recommendations within that report essentially got translated into the bill text, and uh, and you had several members of Congress um, push those ideas forward and uh, and move them as an independent bill. Um, another point I should make is historically, any changes to this federal fisheries management system have only been done through these big, broad reauthorizations, where Congress opens up the entire statute and makes a ton of changes to it. That's what happened in last and in 2006 and hasn't okay. happened since. Um, as a recreational fishing community, we looked around and said, with all this function going on in Congress, we can't wait around for that. Right. Uh, we can't wait for this big, broad uh, potential reauthorization uh, to take place. We need uh, we need these changes now. So that's where you saw the Modern Fish Act move as a standalone bill. And really, 
probably the biggest takeaway from all this is it's the first time that the U.S. Congress has ever passed a bill solely focused on saltwater recreational fishing. The community's voice was heard to that level that Congress, with everything else going on in the country right now, uh, said, you know, this is a really important issue. We need to take care of this important constituency and, and get these important changes made. Um, and that really, I think, at a big picture level, um, shows that the importance of recreational fishing to the nation is really finally being acknowledged by uh, by decision makers in D.C. And, well, you, it doesn't take you long reading through some of the press releases and all that to get some of the partnerships, uh, Center for Sport Fishing Policy, Coastal Conservation Association, Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, Guy Harvey Ocean Foundation, IGFA, the Marine Manufacturers Association, Billfish Foundation, TRCP. I mean, you get that many groups together with a central focus and you bring in 11 million people, you just might get something done. Yeah, well, that's kind of where we ended up. Um, you know, if you're fighting amongst yourselves, uh, it's really easy for Congress to ignore you. <laughs> sure. Help anybody to ignore you, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell you, they'll tell you to just go back, get your get your stuff together, and then let them know when you're all on the same page. Um, and that's kind of the community where we were for a long time. You know, I, I think as, as you're probably aware, uh, fishermen, you know, you put 10 fishermen in a room, you get 20 different opinions. Of course. Uh, it's really hard to get the recreational fishing community all on the same page, and I think that's been kind of our Achilles heel for a while is, We've all complained, and when the time has come for us to identify solutions, particularly on federal fisheries management, it's, it's kind of been elusive to us. Um, and that's really what the importance of the Moore Steel Commission was, was getting a common set of recommendations for our community and getting all the organizations, again, from, from boating industry to the recreational fishing industry, all the individual angler organizations, um, all on the same page and all pushing the same agenda, I think is really what drove this home because there's a lot of other stakeholder groups out there, commercial fishing interests, environmental interests that don't necessarily have the same uh, priorities in mind. Uh, and that's really what made it all the more important for us to be coming in with a solid collective message. So we had Magnus and Stevens, which addressed the problem and started the fix, but left the recreational fishermen out. We've identified the problems and all. The Modern Fish Act, what are the improvements that they're, they're not the end all, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're still going to have to go through a progression of this, but what does the Modern Fish Act start to do to correct the problems with Magnus and Stevens? Yeah, well, and, and you're right, you know, just to put it in context, this is, this doesn't say, you know, starting tomorrow all fishing seasons double or anything like that. This is going to be more longer term, playing out over the course of a few years type of incremental changes. Um, but, you know, it does a few important things. As I mentioned earlier, it makes that fundamental distinction uh, at the very front of federal statute that recreational and commercial fishing are, are different and therefore deserve uh, different management approaches. Um, it, it also clarifies that, uh, you know, the ways states like South Carolina, um, marine resources, the way states manage fisheries, and, okay. and, you know, it gets pretty technical and biological, uh, but the approaches that they use um, can and should be also looked at by federal fisheries managers okay. as opposed to just using the one-size-fits-all, you know, the way we manage commercial fisheries, um to the pound or to the ton okay. uh, and closing fisheries down when those limits are exceeded. Um, you know, there's alternative ways to manage recreational fisheries that are, are better uh, aligned with the data that we have. Uh, it clarifies that those authorities do exist for, for the National Marine Fisheries Service. Uh, and then on the data side, it, it pushes the agency to look at other ways of, of estimating how recreational, uh, how much recreational catch there is out there. The system that's been used for decades is just, it's not getting the job done. It had historically relied on uh, 
just randomly calling coastal household landlines, <laughs> which is kind of remarkable. If you don't live in a coastal county and you don't have a landline or you won't answer your phone if you don't recognize the number, right. uh, you were never getting surveyed. Okay. Um, so as you can imagine, there are all sorts of wild estimates that would come from that type of approach that was, uh, again, that was the sole way we were trying to estimate how many fish recreational fish are catching. Okay. In 2019, with all the electronics out there, with smartphones, oh, yes. uh, there's, there's many better ways, a lot of uh, surveys that states are using uh, that the National Marine Fishery Service has just kind of dug its head in the sand on. Uh, it pushes the agency to look at that. Uh, it also explores some of the more contentious things that have happened in marine fisheries management that, that haven't worked out for recreational fishing, uh, things like cat shares that have been particularly problematic in the Gulf uh, with Red Snapper down there. Right. We're essentially taking a public resource and privatizing it. Uh, calls for a review of those types of approaches. Um, so, again, it, it does a bunch, and, and uh, fisheries can get pretty weedy and technical, but the bottom line is it's better management, better data, and in the long run, you start plugging those ideas in, it should mean better fishing opportunities. So we've mentioned Red Snapper as kind of the flashpoint for all this. For a guy who's got a 23-foot Seapro uh, Center console, lives in Greenville, South Carolina, who hasn't been able to go snapper fishing for the last couple of years, what's his outlook? Yeah, well, he's take me fishing next time he goes. But uh, beyond that, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think things are heading in the right direction, and particularly with the changes that are going to be playing out over the course of time with this law, we should see see better opportunities. Yeah, Red Snapper, um, it, it's less of a conservation issue and more of a management issue. You okay. know, hear all the time folks say they, they can't go bottom fishing right. in the southeast and not, and not catch a Red not Snapper. Not catch them. Uh, yeah, so... Um, so what we're looking at is, again, the, the, the other management approaches where you're looking at more long-term abundance, long-term catch rates um, that should allow for better opportunities as opposed to sort of the yo-yo we've been looking at right. where you open it one year, you got to close it the next right. because uh, you think you went over your limit. Um, and, uh, and again, looking at better ways of estimating catch. Uh, you know, again, the way things have been estimated in the past is just uh, clearly not getting the job done. So you combine those things together. And I really believe over the course of the next few years, we'll, we'll start to see some better opportunities, better access. Certainly beyond a couple of weekends, which we've been dealing with <laughs> yeah. for the last couple of years. Absolutely. Well, Mike, uh, I was just looking here at a Congressional Sportsman's Foundation press release I've got, and it, the contact is Sarah Leonard. Would that be any relationship to you? <laughs> I know. I know Sarah pretty well. Uh, no, maybe somewhere. I actually was doing one of those Ancestry.com things lately, but... Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't match up with her, but uh, okay. now there's a few of us running around. Don't have to be related. Though. Okay, okay. Just, just check. It just kind of jumped out, man. Me in passing. Um, yep. Well, look. Thanks for taking time off. Thanks for uh, thanks to ASA and you as uh, and Liz. I'm sure has had some part in this too for uh, pushing this through and making sure that the future for saltwater recreational fishermen's bright. Yeah. Well, and thank you, and uh, I'm sure many of your listeners helped to engage in this process. I mean, we had thousands of people from all over the country weigh in on them. So any of the listeners that wrote emails or called into their congress, uh, congressmen or senators before this bill, you know, a lot of credit goes to them, too. So uh, if they're looking out for other ways to get involved, we have a website, keepamericafishing.org, that has all sorts of information about this bill and others. Um, so I encourage people to go check that out. Very good. Mike Leonard, thank you for your time, and talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Roger. Take yes, care. Yes, sir.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.